And now we go into our study for this evening, into the Word of God that gives us much confidence in troublesome times, in tiresome times. We have been looking at how God keeps his people words of encouragement, fear not, don't be fearful, don't be afraid. We've seen God keeps his promises. That's why we don't have to be afraid. Because God knows our pain. He knows our problems. He knows our paranoia. He knows our predicament. He strengthens us with his presence. We've looked at all these. He assures us with his preservation and the promise of that. He undergirds our perseverance and persistence. He keeps us faithful. Because promises he promises his presence. He assures us of his purpose. He protects us in our perils. He cares for us on our pilgrimage. And that's where we finished last time. And this evening we start with he comforts us with his peace and with his presence. In the Gospel of John chapter 14 verse 26 we read, but the comforter, and if you've read the Bible and studied a little, you know that he is the Holy Spirit. Who is the Holy Spirit? Whom the Father will send in my name, he shall teach you all things and bring all things to your remembrance, what I, whatever I have said unto you. Peace I leave with you, my peace I give unto you, not as the world giveth, Give I unto you, let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. And that's certainly a verse to tell us not to fear, to be encouraged, uh, not to be frightened, not to fret. But there, peace I leave with you. And remember, this was written to the early disciples who went through some horrid things and persecution and said all, as we've said before, all of the apostles died a martyr's death but they had the peace of God with them in them so the Lord promised this peace I leave with you fear God don't fear the world not as the world giveth give I unto you you know the world that the peace uh, the, the peace that the world gives is just temporal Every peace treaty that probably has ever been has all been broken. Nation between nations, <clears throat> between and within nations, and maybe within families even. But God gives peace that lasts, not as the world gives. Give I unto you. Let not your heart be troubled. How troublesome times we have been through. What troublesome times. But God has said, let not your heart be troubled. And um, for myself, over the past year, things haven't changed a whole lot. We were locked down for a little while here in New South Wales. But we've just kept on going and preaching the word, ministering, studying, and doing a lot more book work for all the things that we have to keep up with, with the COVID shutdowns and lockouts and lock-ins and lock-up, whatever. But peace is being something that we don't have to worry about what's going on. Don't be troubled about it. 
This, this is all in God's plan. This is in God's purpose. In fact, the way things have happened, the different things that have happened in the world, it just gives me confidence that we're so much closer to the Lord's coming. He is prepping the world for his purposes. He's prepping the nations. He's, he's t- tweaking, as we say, when we just almost get it adjusted. He's tweaking the world and the governments and the people for the preparation of the tribulation. That's what this is about, about Satan coming. The Antichrist, in the Antichrist and taking control. But we have peace. Let not these things trouble you. If we believe the church goes through that period, we won't have peace. We would be concerned for our children and, and we're concerned for the properties and all the things that, are, that are, we're attached to in this world. Verse 1 of the same chapter, that's chapter 14 of John, reads, Let not your heart be troubled. Ye believe in God, believe also in me. And then he went on to describe the place he's preparing for us. Go prepare a place for you. Don't let your heart be troubled. There is a place that's not to do with this world as far as the state it's in now. But he is preparing. Don't let your heart be troubled. And and Thomas said, well, you know, how can we get there? Because we don't know where you're going. And the Lord told him, through the Lord Jesus, the verse that's right behind me here. In verse 6. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. So why be troubled? We have a comforter. We have the Holy Spirit, whom the Lord said would come when he went. And the Spirit couldn't come until he went. And when he went, just a few days after, I think it was 10, he left 40 days after the resurrection. Pentecost happened 50 days after. And the Holy Spirit came. And it was absolutely evident that he came because of what happened to the individuals that were indwelt by him at that time. And every believer, every person that believes by faith in the Lord Jesus Christ receives the Holy Spirit. And as it says in Romans 8, if we do not have the Spirit, we are none of his. And 1 Corinthians twelve thirteen, it talks about that. We may even read that one today. So we have a comforter. A great comforter that comes and meets our needs at all times because he's ever present with us. In First Corinthians, sorry, Second Corinthians chapter 1, there the word comfort is used, let's see, I think 10 or more times in about five verses. Verses 3 to 7. And I read there in Second Corinthians 1, Blessed be God, even the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies, and the God of all comfort. You see, that's why we need to read the Bible. That's why we need to read from cover to cover. We need to see how God comforted his people from from Adam to the last person that will be in prophetical terms. And he comforts. He's the God, Father of mercies, the God of all comfort, who comforteth us in all our tribulation, that we may be able to comfort them who are in any trouble 
by the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted. Five times in two verses, comfort, comforted and so forth. <coughs> we are comforted. We can encourage those. Have we had the opportunity? Have we had the privilege? Have we taken it to comfort other people by the comfort that we are comforted? Now, a lot of people will say, no, to do with God, I don't want to know about it. Well, they can go on in their discomfort and the uncertainty of life if this, that's what they wish. But at least you can give them the opportunity to know how they can be, uh, have their feet set on a rock, as Psalm 40 tells us. He, he lifted us out of the miry clay and set our feet on a rock and established our goings. And uh, you can let them know. And it's up to them to make that decision whether they want that comfort of God, the presence of God, or the comfort of the world, which is temporal, in the wake up in the morning with another problem. For as, this, as the sufferings of Christ abound in us, so our consolation aboundeth in Christ. And whether we be afflicted, it is for your consolation and salvation, which is effectual in the enduring of the same sufferings which we also suffer. For whether we be comforted, it is for your consolation and salvation. Our hope of you is steadfast, knowing that as ye are partakers of his sufferings, so shall ye also be of his consolation. There's the promise of the Lord, the comfort. And then the psalm that we read a little earlier, <laughs> the comfort of the presence of God. God is our refuge and strength, the very present help in trouble. Very present help in trouble because he's never going to leave us nor forsake us. John's Gospel, chapter 10, he is with us always and we can't be taken out of his hand. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth be removed and though the mountains be carried into the midst of the sea, earthquakes, tsunamis and whatever else comes to this world <clears throat> let's not fear, because if we be taken in one of those events physically, we're absent from the body and present with the Lord. Um, we would have been promoted to glory. Let's not fear if these things happened. You know, a lot of people are fearful of death, they're afraid of dying. It's because of the uncertainty of what might happen after. We don't have to be afraid. We don't have to be fearful though the mountains be carried in the midst of the sea, that the waters thereof roar and be troubled. And that is like with tsunamis that we've seen in our lifetimes that come in from, from the sea. Though the mountains shake with the swelling thereof, and it connects it with earthquakes, the shaking thereof of the mountains. There is a river, the streams where I've made glad the city of God. And yeah, you can think into the millennium and the millennial <clears throat> temple that's described in the last what eight ten chapters of the book of Ezekiel and the river that runs out of that down eastward into the Dead Sea and and replenishes the Dead Sea and fish live in the sea at that time the streams where I make the glad, uh, glad the city of God and the eternal river of God whereof the trees of life are by, uh, by that and, uh, and uh, the, the leaves are for the healing of the nations all these promises, all these things comfort yourself with these things don't be troubled God is in the midst of her she shall not be moved God it shall help her and that right early <coughs> to us it might be well it's been thousands of years since God's been 
physic, well, physically present in the Lord Jesus, but he's always present in the Spirit. He's everywhere present. But one day he will come, and that right early in his time, in his time, um, <clears throat> in his steps, in his time, he will come. God is in the midst of her, not be moved. The heathen raged, the kingdoms were moved, and he uttered his voice. And I can think of Psalm 2 in relation to that verse. They, they take counsel together against the anointed of God. Even in the midst of all the tribulation that's coming and the, and the terrible things that are poured out in the, the, the vials and the bowls and the, the trumpets and the thunders too. Even all that being poured out, God's people has confidence. But are the unsaved will be shaken to their core and even in that time instead of falling before the Lord and repenting and receiving the peace and comfort of God they hide themselves in the rocks and the dens and say hide us from the face of him that sitteth on the throne hide us from the wrath of the Lamb they know who's doing it they know who are, who's bringing it to pass they know who's going to take over the world, but still they won't repent. Just hide us. That sounds like Adam and Eve. We've always been hiding from God. And God, the Lord of hosts, is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge. And you can see that is talking about the Lord's presence in the millennial reign of the Lord on this earth after the tribulation. Come, behold the works of the Lord. What desolations he hath made in the earth. As it says in one the last earthquake that all the cities of the world fall flat and desolations are made. What a clean-up process will take place early in the millennium for those that remain on earth, for the few that are left, the believing ones that inherit the kingdom. He makes wars to cease on the ends of the earth. He breaketh the bow. Where's that all found? That's found in the book of Isaiah. They will no ward no more. And he does that. You see, we have a wonderful God. He's going to bring peace. Peace to the personal uh, life. Peace to the world. Peace to the nations. Peace to this sin-wrecked world. And uh, he breaks the spirit asunder. And be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the heathen. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge. So the wonderful peace of God that comes to us when we believe. Now think of it for a minute. <laughs> the peace. There are several pieces or times where the word peace is used in different contexts contexts and different ways there's peace with god romans 5 1 that reads therefore being justified by faith we have peace with god <laughs> ah have you been justified by faith are you at peace with god or is he your enemy we're all enemies of God, born that way. Romans 5.12 tells us that. 
Peace with God by faith. Justified by faith, peace with. It is the work of Christ into which the individual enters by faith and has peace with God. I did that way back when I was about 12. Believed by faith and therefore I was not his enemy. I wasn't the son of Satan as Ephesians 2 tells us we all were born that way. But I become a son of God. Not through any merit of mine own, not any work that I have, that I did do, but from the work that was done on my behalf. Peace with God. Then in Romans chapter 1 and verse 7, and at most of the uh, introductions to the New Testament epistles, there's peace from God. And there Paul says that you might have the peace from God. And that's the peace we've been talking about. If you're a Christian, you have the peace from God in any circumstances of life. And not hassled and hair-raised, you have the peace from God. And in Philippians chapter 4, verse 7, it talks about the peace of God. Peace with God, peace from God, peace of God. Philippians 4, 7, And the peace of God, which passes all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds Through Christ Jesus our Lord. (laughs) That's for the Christian, that's for the believer. The peace of God in all circumstances of love. Our state having been saved, we commit all our anxieties to God. Philippians tells us to do that. Through prayer. This is a reference to the nature and quality of the peace granted to the believing person. The peace of God, Philippians 4, 7. And then, uh, over in the book of Isaiah, chapter 9 and verse 6, 6 and 7. And I believe we use this this morning in the book of Isaiah, chapter 9, verse 6 and 7. There's wonderful verses there. Peace on earth. Peace on earth. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government, as he goes from being his first coming, his first presence here, 2,000 years ago, unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, the government, going into the future, shall be upon his shoulders, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counsel, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince, the Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government there shall be no end upon the throne of David. There in Jerusalem with David who would be resurrected present and ruling co-reigning with the Lord and upon his kingdom to order and establish it with judgment and justice. From henceforth forever the zeal, the zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform it. Guarantee, guarantee. (laughs) Listen to the word of the Lord, not my word, and the Lord will do it. He has the zeal to do it. He has the will to do it. He has the desire to do it. He has the desire to dwell with men, tabernacle with us as he did with Adam and Eve. And it promises way back in the end, last book of the Bible that he will be present with us. Yes, peace on earth and peace on earth will only be <coughs> when, as Psalm 2 tells us, He rules with a rod of iron. You say, wait a minute, rod of iron doesn't sound peaceful. Well, it wouldn't be to any of his enemies, 
But to those who are his, of course, it brings peace everywhere. Nobody breaking down your door. Nobody sneaking up behind you. Nobody snatching your purse. No country invading another country because they are under the benevolent dictatorship of the Lord Jesus Christ from Jerusalem. And it does say that if any nation does not come up and give homage and honor to the Lord Jesus at Jerusalem on a yearly basis, God will send them a drought. Of course, if you want the peace of God, you go by the rules of God. (laughs) Same here today, isn't it? If you want the peace of God, peace with God, (coughs) we need to do what he wants in our lives and not to be at odds with his will. Otherwise, we won't know that peace as we should and could know it. So there is the peace on earth that the Lord soon will bring. The world cries out for it. Read Romans chapter 8 in the middle of it. The whole place groans in pain with the children of God together even until now. Well, let's go from that point that he brings peace We need not fear, we need not to be afraid, we need not to be frightened because he comforts us with his peace and presence. And we move, secondly, this evening to God gives us, sorry, guides us in our predicaments of life. God guides us in the predicaments of life. In Matthew's Gospel, chapter 28, Matthew 28, verse 4 to 6 and Verse 10, we read this. And for fear of him, the keepers did shake. This is the keepers of the tomb where Jesus' body had been laid. And the keepers did shake for the fear of the presence of the angel and of the Lord descended from heaven, in verse 2, and became as dead men. You see... A believing person doesn't react that way in the presence of God. These people did react that way. And the angel answered and said unto the woman, Now, she's not in a frightened heap. Why? Because she's a believer. She trusted the Lord. She knew who the Lord was in her life. And the angel answered and said unto the woman, Fear not. You see, all of these verses that we've been covering for four weeks, this is part four, this is... The, four, the fifth sermon from this, and there's another one yet to come after this, you always find the word fear not or don't be afraid in all of these references that we refer to. So here, this woman at the tomb is told not to fear. For I know that ye seek Jesus who was crucified. She, he knew, the angel knew why this woman was there. He is not here for he is risen as he said Come see the place where the Lord laid. Don't fear. Don't be afraid. Don't be like the unsaved people. In the predicaments of life, here she was. She's come to honour the Lord Jesus in his burial there and, and to do things for him before he stinketh, as it is said of Lazarus the fourth day. And... She is not frightened when she meets this angel. Verse 10 says, and you can read the rest between, Then said Jesus unto them, 
when he came into their presence, he said, All hail in verse 9. And they came and held him by the feet and worshipped him. Then said Jesus unto them, Be not afraid. Go tell my brethren that they go into Galilee and there shall they see me. He is risen. He is not here. Go tell the brethren. Tell them that they needn't fear the predicament that they seem to be finding in, hiding in, in houses and hiding away from the chief priests and the Pharisees and all those people that crucified the Lord Jesus and fearful and afraid. Hey, come out from hiding. But go into Galilee and there he will meet with you. And so the two Marys came to the empty tomb. In John's Gospel, chapter 20, we read the account there in verse 13. And it reads, And they say unto her, Woman, why weepest thou? She said unto them, Because they have taken away my Lord, and I know not where they have laid him. And I can imagine the emotion in her voice as, they, as she's here replying to the two angels in verse 12 that came were there. And when she had thus said, she turned herself back and saw Jesus standing in, and knew not that it was Jesus. So she's in a predicament and, and she's not recognizing this is angelic means. This is the Lord Jesus that are present with her. She's, she's thinking these are men, mere men. And Jesus said unto her, Woman, why weepest thou? Whom seekest thou? And she's supposing him. She, she didn't recognize, recognize his voice at that time because she had in her mind, he's dead, he's gone. And... Uh, <clears throat> She, supposing him to be the gardener, said unto her, unto him, Sir, if ye have borne him away from here, tell me where thou hast laid him, and I will take him away. Jesus said unto her, Mary. And the way he said it, rung a bell. <laughs> she turned herself and said unto him, Rabboni, which is to say, Master, <laughs> what a revelation, what a predicament. You know, we can get into some predicaments and a lot of our own making in life. I'm going astray and not doing the will of God. But when we turn to the Lord, when we are broken, as she was broken, Mary here, the Lord comes and we recognize his presence. And Jesus said unto her, touch me not. I'm not ascended to the Father, but go to the brethren, as we read a moment ago. And say unto them, I ascend to my father, your, your father, and to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene came and told the disciples that she had seen the Lord and that he had spoken these things unto her. And they didn't believe. <laughs> well, some of them took off to the tomb. And the, the Gospel of Luke. Gospel of Luke, chapter 24. These predicaments, that this, this predicament that these ladies were in. But here's a different occasion. It's chapter 24, it's two disciples of the Lord. And from verse 13 to 32, the story is given. And behold, two of them went the same day to a village called Emmaus, which was from Jerusalem, about threescore furlongs. And they walked together, sorry, they talked together of these things which had happened. They were full of it. These things that have happened in Jerusalem, the crucifixion of the Lord Jesus, the action of the wicked Pharisees and religious leaders of Israel. It came to pass that while they communed together in reason, Jesus drew near and went with them. Their eyes were holden that they should not know. 
And he said, what, on, what manner of conversation or communication is these things you have one with another? Why are you so sad? Why are you downcast, you know, as, as you walk and are sad? And one of them said, his name was Cleophas, answering, said unto him, Aren't thou only a stranger in Jerusalem? Well, what's with you? Where have you come from? Planet Mars? What? Everybody knows about this, not knowing the things that have come to pass in these days. And he said unto them, What things? And they said unto him, Concerning Jesus of Nazareth, of course, who is a prophet, mighty in deed and word before God and the people. And now the chief priests and rulers delivered him to be condemned to death and crucified him. And on they went. And then in verse 25 to 26, Then Jesus said unto them, O fools and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Ought not Christ to have suffered? You know, we can almost guarantee that the Lord Jesus at this point expanded and explained Isaiah 53, as you do to any Jew even today. And in Zechariah there, you know, he will be crucified. They'll, they'll hang him on a tree. They'll, look, they'll pierce him. And he explained that to them. And, and what a sermon this would have been. God saw fit not to include the sermon or the teaching that Jesus gave these two as they walked on the road to Emmaus back home. We can just imagine. Well, we can do it ourselves. We can go to the Old Testament and find there all the prophecies. I remember an exam at Bible College 40 years ago or more <clears throat> where we were told to get all the prophecies of the Old Testament and link them with the New Testament and we had an hour to do it. <laughs> And uh, for young people, you know, in their early 20s, maybe in their teens, they hadn't, you know, had a whole lot of lifetime to read much. And so at the end, the result was not many passed the test. It was a surprise. The lecturer walked in and said, this is what you're gonna, we're going to do and do it. And uh, he wasn't very happy at the end that they couldn't do it. Oh, he had been a pastor for some time. He'd been in the Word. He'd been through college. He'd been a missionary somewhere else. But, hey, <clears throat> this is what the Lord Jesus did to these. Didn't you get some of the things I said in life? Didn't you tweet? Didn't you understand? Now I'm going to tell you, in one, one long teaching session as they walked, and isn't it good in the walk of life, where we can come up with people who are fellow Christians and talk and walk and work. Some of the greatest times of fellowship have been working bees, a thing of the past because people don't want to seem to do it a whole lot these days. They hire someone in to do it. But we miss out on the fellowship that we can have one with another and the joking and the fun times together when you have those sort of times. And here the Lord was doing that with these people and in their predicament in what are we going to do? <laughs> their expectations had been dashed. We expected this one, this pro mighty prophet, to bring in the kingdom. They all did. The disciples did. Even on the, on the night of the Lord's capture and afterward. And you read the book of Acts. Are you going to restore again the kingdom? 
And the Lord just, as it were, dismissed that question and talked about going into all the world, into Judea, Samaria, and to the uttermost parts of the world. He's talking about the church that was about to come and they didn't get it. But <clears throat> they were looking for the coming and their expectations had been dashed. We thought he would have overthrown the Romans. He would have brought in the kingdom. He, he was capable of it, of course, and they saw the miracles he did that he was able to do it wasn't the Lord's intention at that time and so the church began the church age started the age of grace in which we live uh, <clears throat> expectations you know when we're young we have great expectations sounds like a book I think there has been one <laughs> and maybe a non-Christian book but great expectations we have as teenagers ideas in our head that are far flung of what's going to happen in our lives. And as we grow and as we go on in life, expectations that we had earlier are dashed over and over again. You read the fairy tales and stories that children are given, the expectations that are raised in, in some of those <laughs> But um, on our holiday, we visited Cessnock, and there's some gardens there, and they have a, an, an area just for the, the the stories, the children's stories of past times, and they got them. I think they got them all. There's some I never uh, knew of, and most of them I did, and I remember memorising them as a kid in school. You know, Mary had a little lamb, and uh, who were all the others? <laughs> I don't keep them in mind anymore. But that reminded me of them and the expectations of people. You know, there's the expectations of mothers for their children. They're going to be greater than me. They're going to live in a better place and uh, all things are going to go well. They're going to get a double education and top of the class. And, and we have parents raging on teachers now because they don't believe they teach. Uh, they did right by their, their children. no expectations being dashed these people's expectations were dashed the disciples were dashed but when Pentecost happened they had renewed energy and vigor to serve the Lord until death the wife's expectation of her marriage and husband I'm amazed at the fairy tale thoughts that people have as far as marriage is concerned you know you you putting together now even Christians two people that if they're Christians they've got new natures but they also have old natures and old natures are ever present they're always there with the person until the rapture until our translation until death we're going to have them and they're going to be sparks fly there are going to be problems and when the honeymoon's over and these problems come you know 18 months two years after the honeymoon's over so they say as it, well, as it is put and then the expectations are not met <clears throat> he's out working all the time out working late I'm home alone I'm home with the kid screaming and um, getting up all night oh, there's so many things uh, this is not what I dreamed about the wife, the mother, the father's expectation of his children they'll all be obedient little children and do exactly what God wants in their life well I pray so but it's not always so-so. 
It depends on their reaction. They have a free will to choose to do right or wrong. Pray to God that they do right. And if we believe that, yes, they all will just do right because I I told them so, then you're like a Calvinist (laughs) saying they're going to get saved no matter what and I'm God in their life and I'm going to say so. Don't go that way. Humbly say and request the Lord that they do get saved (laughs) and they do follow on the Lord and and your expectations as a father and as a mother are fulfilled. What about the worker? The employee. About the employee. He's going to give me a rise. He's going to give me a promotion. We have those expectations and then someone else gets it. What about me? (laughs) And the other way around, the employer, the boss, he has expectations from those that work with and for him or under him. The, the, the pastor has expectations of people often dashed. A teenager has dreams of life. The investor in, this, in the bank or the stock market has expectations. He will, as it says in James, I will go into this city or that city and buy and sell and get gain. You know, it's not wrong to buy and sell. It's not wrong to do those things. And in fact... It says in the, in the Gospels, the, the parable that's given there that tells us of the men that got what, the people that got ten talents, five talents and one talent. And when the Lord comes to the well with the one talent, he buried it. And the Lord chided on him and condemned him because he didn't give his money to the exchangers so that he, the Lord might have had his own with interest. So you are to deal wisely with the money you've got in the investments you make that's what I get from those verses the Bible touches on a lot of things in our life (laughs) expectations dashed let's turn to Romans Romans chapter 5 verse 2 to 5 by whom we have access uh, we've been justified by faith we have peace with God the verse we used before by by whom we have also access to the Lord Jesus by faith into this grace in which we stand and rejoice in hope of the glory of God. Not only so, but we glory in tribulations also. (laughs) Dashed expectations. Tribulations. We didn't plan on them. None of us put it on our calendar this week, this year, this month or whatever. We're going to have tribulations. No, no, we shy away from that. Ye shall have tribulations. We live in a fallen world with the devil that's over it, with an old nature in us, an old nature in everybody else, unsaved people all around us. Things are going to go wrong. You know, unsaved people blame God for everything. They don't talk about God until something goes wrong. But the Christian knows that all things work together for good to them that love God and who walk according to his purpose. We glory in tribulations. We thankful for them. Oh, it's hard to grin. <laughs> but we know that God is in control, knowing that tribulation worketh patience. That's what happens. You get a young person that hasn't been through the mill or hasn't been through troubles, 
And sometimes they can be arrogant and proud and, you know, all things going well. They haven't been hit hard by some hard knocks. But then tribulation comes and it works patience. And, and you get an older person who's been through all these things and they look, and I do, I look at little little babies and say, I wonder what their life's going to contain. I wonder what they're going to go through. I wonder how life is going to treat them as it were. What they're going to have to face before the end of life. But we can mature and grow and we can be as Hebrews tells us, exercised by these troubles and tribulations that come. Then patience experience in verse 4 and experience what? Hope. You see, our expectations of the, of the things in life might be dashed, but we have hope in the Lord. <laughs> because these troubles bring that hope, grow that hope. And hope, in verse 5, makes not a shame because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost who is given unto us. And so we have that hope that is developed in us by the troubles we have in life. 1 Corinthians fifteen nineteen says, If in this life we have only we have hope in Christ, we are of all men most miserable. No, our hope goes all the way into eternity. It's not only in this life. And the expectations can be there. We, we have great expectations because we have the promises of God and we know what they contain. Galatians 5.5 5, For we through the Spirit wait for the hope of righteousness by faith. Listen, if your expectations have been dashed and life hasn't delivered what you would have hoped it did, and if all things to, seem to be wrong and you're down on your you know, luck, we don't say, let, let's not use that word, not, not a word for Christians. But if we're down in the situations and we seem to be oppressed by all the things that are happening, look up, read the word, pray to the Lord, pray for his coming, that the hope of righteousness might be fulfilled that he has promised looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of our great God and Saviour, Jesus Christ. Let's not set our expectations and our hopes on the things of this world. Let's set them on the Lord and the things of heaven. What did the Lord Jesus say in Matthew six nineteen? Lay up, Lay not up for yourselves treasures upon earth where moth and rust does corrupt, where thieves break through and steal, expectations are dashed. Hope is, as it were, lost. But he guides us in our predicaments that we might have the victory in these circumstances. When, don't, when we, as Christians, pin all our hopes and our expectations on things on the earth, we're not laying up treasures on, in heaven. We're laying up treasures down here. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither... Moth nor rust is corrupt and where thieves do not break through and steal. So many Christians <clears throat> in this world and in our country, particularly with so much in the Western world that we could get and <clears throat> gain and gather as we go through life, do just that. And then it becomes their God. And then they hold it with a tight fist. And then they won't give. Then they won't release it to the Lord's work. 
How much more could be done in God's work if people would have an open hand? God gave it to them, and particularly the people that are made, that are are, are rich. (laughs) First Timothy chapter six talks about it. Make to yourselves friends by the mammon of unrighteousness. Don't keep it for yourselves. And I found something that is seems to be in uh, in any church. It's not the rich people necessary. Praise God for the ones that God moves in their heart and they are willing to let go. But it's the poor people that give. You see, the poor people think, well, I'm not going to make a million. What's the use in trying? Let me give it to a missionary. Let me give it to a ministry. Let me use it for God's glory. Ah, uh, Let's let go. Let's lay up treasures in heaven where neither these mo- rust and just corrupt and thieves, thieves break through and steal. Hey, what are you going to do when the predicament comes that the world it seems to be planning right now where they're going to have the great reset that we talked about last week? And if in that plan, as some have said, it's going to be nobody owns anything anymore, Everything's owned by the government and everybody gets the wage the government desire, de- designs for them. You, you just have to do what they say. They take all your stuff. Uh, it be the elite that still has it and controlling it. But what are you going to do in that case where thieves break through and steal? Where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Let's get our affections off this world and get our desires on heaven. And uh, it, it reads on in that whole chapter. Take no thought for tomorrow. Therefore, take no thought in verse 31, saying, What shall we eat or with what shall we, what shall we drink with? What shall we be clothed? For after all these things do the Gentiles, non-Christians, people seek, dashing around madly trying to do that. For your heavenly Father knoweth that ye have need of all these things. But seek ye first the kingdom of God, and all these things shall be added unto you. You know, people look at that. Well, there's the prosperity gospel. These things will be added unto you in the next world. These things will be added unto you in the millennium. You see, if we've been faithful with little, we will be given much. And... It says, you know, when they ask the question, what shall we get for leaving and forsaking all the disciples? <clears throat> he that hath forsaken much in this life will in the next life be rewarded with positions of responsibility in an immortal body that doesn't tire, doesn't fade away, doesn't need to sleep. It probably can. <laughs> the reward is in the next life. <laughs> We look forward to the future. These things shall be added unto you then. Take therefore no thought for the morrow, for the morrow shall take thought for the things of itself, sufficient to the day of its own evil. If your expectations have been dashed, it's probably because, and you're a Christian, it's probably because God is taking it away to get your eyes turned back onto him and taken off the things of this world. Colossians 3, 1-2 Set your affections on things above where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God not on the things of this world 
Hebrews 11.1 Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. You know, we have hope as an anchor to the soul, both sure and steadfast, that has entered into that within the veil. Ah, if things have been taken away and we're in a predicament with this last year and you're listening in and you say, I've lost it all, turn to the Lord. You may not have a lot down here, but you certainly will if you labour and serve him and give him all and your best. You'll have it for eternity. So God guides us in our predicaments. God comforts us with his peace and presence and God enlightens us to his plan in our lives. In Acts chapter 18, Acts chapter 18, verse 9, we read this. This is thirdly and we won't be long in this point. 18 and verse 9, Then spoke the Lord to Paul in the night by a vision. Be not afraid, but speak and hold not thy peace. Now, Paul is about... To minister at Corinth and he, he stayed there I think longer than any other place to minister maybe Ephesus he was there as well for a t- quite a, a time considering the ministry he had be not afraid but speak hold not thy peace let them have it give them the truth for I am with thee and no man shall set on thee to hurt thee for I have much people in this city <laughs> you know what God had, may have in Aubrey, in Lavington, in your field of influence, a lot of people. It's dependent on you, it's dependent on me, to take the message to them. Paul, go out and get them. Go in to all the world. I'm with thee. You will not be set on to be hurt. You're a lot of people are going to get saved in this city of Corinth. Go to it. Skit. It's almost like we say to the, the dog, not calling Paul a dog, but sketch him, you know, <laughs> get him, get the dog onto him, round him up, chase him. And he continued there a year and six months teaching the word of God among them. And so <clears throat> here God enlightens us to his plan. He enlightened Paul to his plan and he enlightens all who are walking in his way to his plan. Look way back in the book of Genesis chapter 18. And I thought of this as this is just this was an added bit here about four o'clock this morning. In Genesis chapter 18, verse 17. <clears throat> Abraham's there, being told that he's going to have a son, and Sarah's laughing. That's, what a, no, this is not going to happen. I'm not too old. I'm 90. Um, and then the Lord is talking about Sodom and the destruction of the city of Sodom and the other towns of the plain there. And verse 16, it reads, And there rose men up from there and looked towards Sodom, and Abraham went with them to bring them on the way. <clears throat> and the Lord said, Shall I hide from Abraham the thing which I do? Seeing that Abraham shall surely become a great and mighty nation, and all the nations of the earth shall be blessed in him. For I know him that he will command his children and his household after him, and they shall keep the way of the Lord and do justice and judgment, for the Lord may bring upon Abraham that which he has spoken of him. Now, 
there in the middle of that. Verse 17, shall I hide from Abraham the thing which I do? No. He's my child. He's my, he's my servant. He's going to be a great man and many nations are going to come from him. I'm going to tell him what I'm going to do in Sodom. It, that saved Lot's life. <laughs> if God hadn't told Abraham and just rained fire down, Lot would have still been there and, the, and his two daughters. Paul, as we read in, in Acts 18, was um, <clears throat> founding the church at Corinth. Don't be afraid. Speak. Hold not thy peace. God shows us great and glorious things. <laughs> you say, yep, no, I know. He talks about prophecy all the time. Well, when I read the Bible and a third of it is about it, and if you say it's no sense reading that sort of stuff, give me your Bible and I'll tear it all out and we'll burn that bit because you don't need it. Read it and be encouraged by it. God has told us what things are going. We're wise to what's going on in this world. We don't have to be discouraged. <laughs> Fear not. Don't be troubled. Have faith in what God has said. And we can see the plan of God being fulfilled before our very eyes. And some in the congregation are old enough to know in, in 1948, and Israel got the land. 1967, the war there that Israel shouldn't have won and the others too, they did win. Israel's in the land. It has to be in the land for Antichrist to make a seven-year deal with her. Otherwise, with Daniel's people. Not the church, with Daniel's people, with thy people. Oh, this is going to happen. The, the 70 years and the, the one of those, the week of years, the last one is the seven weeks. You know, they have to be there. They have to be there to build a temple for Antichrist to offer a sow on it, a pig on the altar. And, and when these things, these promises, these things are happening in our life, when, when Russia has risen to, and Turkey has risen, and, and now in the last few years, the, Turkey's gone from one side to the other side. doesn't have to do with Israel. It's, just, it's talking to Russia and, 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 and Iran, and, and then they're the opposite. <laughs> Shiite and Sunni, but they're still talking with each other, and they're going to one day, as the Bible promises in the book of Ezekiel, chapter 38, come down. And then shall the nation of Israel know that he... The Lord is God, and then shall the world know that God is God for what he does to them. You know, we can shout that. We can preach it in Russia, but they're going to still do it. You can preach it in Turkey. Don't do that because it's going to wipe out Jami. They'll still do it. You see, we have the promises and plan of God. He has shown us these things. We don't have to be ignorant of these things. Don't be ignorant, brethren, of the truth of God's word. It's all going to be literally fulfilled. <clears throat> as, as it is in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 32, he's de today dealing with the, the, the entity of the church. But he hasn't written the Jew off. He's not made a full end of it, as Jeremiah has said. And there's the Gentiles, there's disti three distinct people groups that are mentioned there, the church, the Jew, and the Gentile. Read it, 1 Corinthians 10, 32, New Testament teaching. We know because God has planned it. And the more you study it, the more you get excited about it. <laughs> to deny it, this is to lack understanding and to be unstable, unlearned, 
as Peter said in Second Peter chapter 3, verse 16. <clears throat> Psalm 26, verse 16 said, The secret of the Lord is with those that fear him, and he shall show them his covenant. Don't be ignorant. First Thessalonians 4.13 Concerning those that are asleep, that they have no hope, because there is the blessed hope of the promise of plan of God <clears throat> to deliver his children, to save them from the wrath to come. Read chapter 4 verse 13 to 18 and go into the next chapter as well. And go into Second Thessalonians and read it and read First Corinthians chapter 15. In the moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trump, we shall be taken. That promises and plan of God. And folk, we're on the threshold of these the plans of God being enacted. And when they start, they'll be like the plagues in Egypt. They'll hit one after the other after the other. And it starts with our disappearance. Keep these promises in the front of your mind and be encouraged and don't fear but rejoice in the Lord at this time let's pray and then we'll have a closing hymn thank you Lord for your word and bless it to our hearts and help us to be uplifted encouraged knowing that we have the presence of the Holy Spirit with us he comforts us with peace the Lord comforts us with peace and his presence God guides us in our predicaments and God enlightens us to his plan. Thank you for it, Lord, and may we be enlivened and encouraged and on the ball and uh, witnessing and testifying in these last days. There are few there be that are doing it because they're so discouraged and so distraught because of the things of the world. But let us look up for our redemption draweth nigh. Minister for your glory through your people this week. Until you come, or until we meet together, in Jesus' name, amen.